welcome to another episode of Purple Ponderings with Pankaj. Today we have with us Robin Yu from Hartford, um, a very, very interesting and different personality than who we've had so far. So I'm very, very excited about today's uh, interview with Robin. Uh, but before we begin, Robin, do you want to just introduce yourself? Uh, what do you do? And so that our listeners can have a better sense of your background. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you, Pankaj. This is exciting for me and uh, to be on your show. Uh, uh, my name is Robin, Robin Lua. Uh, I work for Hartford Steam Boiler Inspection Insurance Company. It is a part of the Munich Re family. Um, have been with the company for many years. And uh, my role uh, responsibility is uh, we kind of started uh, six, seven years ago in the, the commercial IoT uh, initiative. And uh, those days, IoT was not even coined. So we put a lot of effort. We developed a business, and we developed uh, quite a couple of uh, technology uh, solutions or startups. And uh, we kind of moving forward. Uh, six, seven years later, I'm here, and I'm responsible for the really product management and the commercialization of the commercial IoT solutions for the organization here. Awesome, awesome. You know, Robin, one of the things that struck me when, when I was talking to you earlier was that you've, you've been with Hartford way more than that, right? I think overall in the insurance industry, you've been, uh, talk to us a little bit about your background as well, as in what were you when you started off and, you know, you got into IoT and I'm also curious to know, what did you call IoT six years ago when it was not known as IoT? So, <laughs> yeah, so I have been with Hartford Steam Boiler for about 18 years and time flew by. And by the way, today is my 16 years anniversary marriage. So kind of time flew by. sweet 16. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, a, it's amazing. Time flew by and when you have good times, I guess. Um, it, I, IoT, just think about this. Uh, six, seven years ago, IoT wasn't, was barely coined. There was no commercial IoT per se. And uh, you ask many people what IoT means, uh, people kind of scratch their head. So you tell me. That's the Internet of Things, and they, oh, that's new. So we don't know what it means. But today, uh, this is a part of the life, and uh, that tells you that in the technology space, things change, things move, and at a very different speed. And uh, one thing I often, you know, interesting to hear is, uh, uh, I personally we work with a lot of top here insurance companies, or very you know, all insurance companies in a different variety, and uh, risk-taking entities, if you will, and. Uh, Insurance often, uh, at least in the past, uh, the impression is that insurance move uh, at a slower speed, right? And a uh, different speed, if you will. Uh, but I think we now push them to a different pace. And I'm just very glad I was part of the, um, have been part of the uh, organization that uh, it's just really very, very entrepreneurial. They have a great uh, leadership team, a great CEO, and uh, it's just a, a lot of fun to, to work with them. Got it, got it. Hey, just speak a little bit up, uh, Robin. Okay, we'll do. Just goes down a little bit. We'll edit that part out, don't worry. Um, question for you. So, you know, you said something very interesting. You, you've been a part of a large company, yet you've been a, like a service provider to the insurance companies. Mm -hmm. So you have been, like, the way I see it is a, in a very unique position to watch the pace Mm -hmm. of decision-making, mm -hmm. you know, pace of 
work right within insurance mm-hmm. companies and mm-hmm. we've always like to those of us who've been here a while we we always know that insurance companies are just slow right compared to mm-hmm. other companies you know mm-hmm. technology companies or retail companies and other mm-hmm. verticals are much mm-hmm. much faster insurance but you said something that you you're seeing it change so talk to me a little bit about what has changed right if you're seeing mm-hmm. a change in pace mm-hmm. uh, both internally and externally because hartford is also like i mm-hmm. said you you have like almost two hats right one is very large company but you have to be a service mm-hmm. provider which is a smaller mm-hmm. aspect of hsb mm-hmm. yeah so uh, <laughs> two parts uh, let me first talk about externally when we started the iot journey 6 7 years ago most of the company just simply interested they're curious they don't know what it is they don't know how to use it they don't know how it's going to apply to them and but they're curious they want to just play with it you know they want to say hey let's do a couple of locations uh, let's send me a couple of sensors so tell me what how the hard works and uh, what does it do and uh, then think about the 3 years ago i felt the 2 3 years ago that was a major shift iot started to become a little bit mainstream and the people started to think okay I may need to put a little bit more effort, a little bit more focus on it, because otherwise I'm falling behind. It seems this is a hot buzzword, and everyone's talking about it. Am I missing something here? So that drives a bit behavior change in terms of like, hey, we need to put a little bit more effort. And today, I think if any company don't put IoT as part of their strategic orientation, they're gonna fall behind, because this trend is moving too fast, and. as matter in fact in the past you can say you know hey it's just a cool technology tool and i can play with it i don't need to have it but it's nice to have it i can play with it i may get some additional insights you look into the future is if you're not a part of it you're behind the curve and you are far behind further behind as the times drags on and because it's not a really only think about the technology you know tools you deploy it is about product service offerings strategic orientation data competitive edge long term business transformation long term business competitiveness so it's threatening the survival on the way of uh, insurance companies that who is not being part of that curve so i think that's why i see the change and also see the behavior change is now those discussions so often elevates to the c suite level it's no longer saying you know, why to simply stay at the uh, um pure loss control engineering tool now it becomes a strategic orientation so if i were to summarize you know it's a good mm-hmm. insight which is it's become more strategic than tactical right and mm-hmm. it's become more you know uh, sort of an enterprise centric um, conversation as opposed to an experimental you mm-hmm. know siloed um, initiative right if mm-hmm. like and and one more thing I, i you know that's my personal experience and i think it probably very very representative in terms of how the how how the industry changes at the beginning the industry simply look at this as hey can i prevent a few losses and they view this as a cost as an overhead right it's a cost investment but then the conversation start to change to shift now it becomes you know this is an investment but as matter in fact that this investment can bring me a number of benefit 
loss control, loss reduction, it's just one part of it. Now I can use this to develop new coverage, new product, new services, and I can acquire new customers, and I can retain better customers, retain the customers I want. And that, we have not even touched the data for the future. So, you know, all this put together, you think of, you know, insurance industry, we're in a very unique position. And I think in the society, and I think we're uniquely positioned to adapt technologies and to make the scale. Of course, the challenge is the speed, the distribution, the knowledge, the know-how, and uh, put all these pieces together, dedication, and that will make you different. Got it. Awesome. That's, that's amazing. So, uh, you know, just on that note, if we have listeners here, because there'll be a lot of people from the insurance companies listening who, let's say, are those people who have been thinking so far more from a loss control standpoint, but, you know, we have an opportunity to now address them. And you, you said something about like how this is also in a way to think about new products, right? Think about customer acquisition. Um, what, what's, what are some data points? Like how, how can they now, is, is there any, you know, successes, experiences that you've seen in the last few years, which makes a more compelling case for them? You know, uh, just think about, uh, I, I often want to use, uh, you know, any businesses in decent sized business, let's say medium size uh, business, and it can be all kinds, can be habitational risks, can be campus, can be, uh, can be different type of facilities, uh, any kind. They invest today in the resources in terms of labor, material, and uh, all the effort to maintain the facilities. And uh, they pay for the cost of them and they incur cost if let's say, you know, they want, they need to repair, improve. And if, and even if they have an insurance claim, they file the claim, now they have a business impact to the business. And so they naturally, and they want to be part of that discussion. They want to uh, help to their business to become uh, more profitable, less cost, more efficient. So that's just one part in terms of value propositions to think about the business, think about the way we, how the insurance company can help. And it's a natural logic to have. But then it comes down to the data point. Data is, today, insurance company gets data. They ask, you ask any insurance company, they say, hey, we are really data-driven. We have all kinds of data. We have claims data. We have uh, metadata. You know, we have uh, done breast data. We have all kinds of data. You know, we do catastrophe analysis. We do all that. The, yes, they do have all those data points. That's a better point. But all those data points are, one, it's not real time. Two, very rarely touch the operational risks, understanding how the businesses operate. Three, it's working down to the rear view mirror. And it's historical data. It's a data happened in the past. So now you take a forward view looking is the data now you're gathering is very different. You gather how customers are managing their facilities or what's the behavior when they receive an alert, the notifications that is a critical condition. How quick do they respond? Do they respond at all? Do they take mitigation actions? And how effective are those mitigation actions? And this level of data, we've never had it before as an insurance company. And two, 
is think about during the deployment of those technologies, you now gather a very different type of data. You now gather the detailed data. You gather sometimes it's object level data, sometimes a facility detail level of data, sometimes it's a risk oriented data, and all those data are gathered through deployment phase. When you put in the sensors in, when you put the equipment in. So it's very different. Just think of it. The data you gather is very different as compared to insurance company what they've done in the past. And the more I often make that analogy is if I am in an insurance company, let's say I put a sensor into either a restaurant business or any other businesses, a year into it, I know more about that operation than the owner of that business, him or herself. And I will have forever competitive edge comparing to my peers. And that is the power of IoT. And nothing can change that. It will only accelerate. Yeah, it's a great point. Great point. Let me, let me ask you a couple of questions which sometimes I see come up. Um, so first one is around the cost of the devices, right? Especially in a commercial context, there is this field of thought that um, why shouldn't the business pay for those devices, right? Because mm -hmm. no one is interested in picking mm -hmm. them up or mm -hmm. they could change the insurance carriers and um, insurance carriers always are wondering, right? If I, if I fund the uh, cost of mm -hmm. this and they move away, then I've lost, you, you know, why should I do that as opposed mm -hmm. to the businesses invest? What, what, what have you experienced as a best practice in that area? Mm -hmm. So first of all, I think that really is a pawn to the carrier or insurance entities or risk-taking entities to determine or explore a couple of business models. There's strategic orientation in this. One, if your initial pain point are loss reduction. Now, not all risks are created equal. So at HSB, we actually have those models to understand it exactly what are the risks, what other locations or accounts have higher, let's say water risks, freeze risks, or any other risks. And in this case, you now can focus your resource and energy on those risks. So in this case, you may want to pay for it because maybe out of your 10,000 location portfolio, it's only 300 locations are generating those losses. You want to know that, you want to pinpoint that, you have two choices. One, don't renew. Two, uh, increase the rate, change the terms and the conditions, which ensure they're gonna leave anyway by doing so. Three, maybe, hey, it's more innovative. I can renew them. Maybe I can change the, change the rates a little bit, but I can make them my customer forever because I'm going to improve their risks and in a very strategic way. So now this is option number one. Option number two is that maybe insurance companies don't have to pay for everything. Insurance company can provide different type of incentives to get the customers on board. And then they pay for a portion of it. Maybe it's a base kit. Maybe it is something through terms, conditions, enhancements. So like at HSB has been an insurance company right, for 150 years. So we, we did a lot of those. And that's one thing that we always have been helping the, our clients to do is, you know, how can we help you to strategically position in a program? That program can be scalable, and have multiple labs bring significant value, not only you know, technical side, but really bring the value, a strategic value 
for the for the company down the road and for the future. And I think it's not one tool. It is not one approach. It is a combination of tools, a combination of approaches to make this successful. So I think most of the carriers will have to think hard about this and to understand some things, they may have to be much brave, have to be brave to tackle into it because it's new. No one have done it before, but that doesn't mean you cannot do it. So I think we saw a lot of the success stories and, uh, and I think this is the area that uh, requires kind of concrete strategy and strategic orientation and approach to them. Got it, got it. And, and these, you know, the second question that always comes up is, you know, sort of the uh, insured adoption, right? So like, you know, hey, mm -hmm. let's go through the scenario, as you mentioned, right? Those are the choices. Mm -hmm. Let's say the insurance company mm -hmm. says, you know what, this mm -hmm. is, I do have the ROI model with me where I can justify mm -hmm. the investment. I'm going to do mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. But now we need the businesses to cooperate, right? The insured to cooperate. Because mm -hmm. uh, adoption mm -hmm. has always been one sort of a, challenge or a barrier that has been brought mm -hmm. up as um, mm -hmm. so what, what are your, what have you seen as mm -hmm. strategies to address that barrier mm -hmm. you know uh, this is a this is a consumer behavior issue right you know think about uh, most of the customers they're not going to be early adapters of technology right and uh, but some of them will and they just think about technology adaption curve start off there's some early adapters take it in then at some point of time, you reach a certain mass, you start to have a click, have a change. Now, start to more customers now draw into something. Oh, this is a normal part of the business, more normal part of life. So I want to be part of it. So now you have a, another wave of customers joining. And then you always have some customers who will never be part of it. So don't ever think of, I'm going to talk to this customer. This customer is going to be eyed. They're going to be eyed for it. No. So the trick here, is to understand the behaviors of your customers and the target customers, not only one or two small percentage of the customers, rather you think of, I know I'm going to target a larger broad set of the customers and some of them will be on board. And then we're going to do this repeatedly. And that's how I get achieved the success. And I'm going to set up tools and approaches to echo each of the steps I'm taking. So it's a pretty holistic approach. That wins. Got it, got it, got it. Now those are good, good points. But you know, one thing that I wanted to ask you with COVID mm. impacting sort of the commercial businesses, you know, more mm -hmm. than the personal lines mm -hmm. side. Um, what are the? Are, have you seen any change in mm. consumer behaviors as a result mm -hmm. of this, you know, pandemic? Absolutely. So. First of all, the, most of our business or engagements are all in commercial businesses. Businesses small to large, and from as small as a, as a really a small retail store all the way to large campuses, you know, healthcare services, college campuses, municipal campuses, all kinds of schools. Um, so first of all, COVID-19, it changed how the facilities are being managed. We simply don't have enough resources on site. And you, a lot of times, no one is on site. So just from a risk perspective, from an operating you know, business perspective, it's very different now. So now you really want to know what's going on when, when no one is there for a period of time. Um, so we see a uh, tick up, if you will, 
from the customer and the customer. Um, it's just simply they now struggle to find the, the tools, technologies can help them to do that. And the right reason, because they're in facilities management. You know, if you think about the business, they manage the operations and the owner manages the business. They don't really, they don't really know the facilities that well, for example, of course they focus on the core businesses. For the facility team, often it's a legacy business, right? A lot of people doing using the same approach, same tools. They really don't know what's out there. That's what I think insurance company can play such a critical role. The role that we can play is we can help them and to introduce them the best in class technology out there and the cost effective tools out there to can help them to really be act as like a, a watchdog 24 seven. And it can help them to manage the facilities better, reduce the cost, prevent the risks. And it's a win, win, win situation for everyone involved. Oh, oh, great, right. It's great insight. So with that, I think, you know, this IoT is such a topic that I think I can keep on talking <laughs> on and on with you, Robin. Uh, you're, uh, you're obviously spent so much time in this space. So let me talk a little bit now more into uh, uh, sort of you as, as what you've experienced in your uh, professional life. So talk to me a little bit about like, what are the, what are the, biggest challenges or hurdles that you've faced in carrying out your role, right? Both internally and externally to the extent possible. Um, so IoT, from the face of it, a lot of people think IoT is sexy and it's easy. IoT, I will tell you, this is the hardest business I ever, in the, ever engaged. And uh, so my background, I was an ocean marine electrical engineer trained. So I worked on the ocean marine ships, the large cargo ships and container ships for several years. And I was an engineer on board. So I, I dealt with all kinds of stuff and I know but it's very tough, right? But that's single point of orientation. You maintain the facility, you maintain the ship, you maintain the electrical equipment, you kind of know it. And then I also had a, my career had experience to work with one of the largest so-called uh, uh, instrumentation company, the early version of such a company called Wake Alexander GmbH. It's a German company. And uh, so that's early version of sensors, which you have rather wise. And on the ship also had a lot of exposure to sensors. Now that's only from technical side. And uh, for whatever reason, you know, uh, I went to graduate school and uh, did a statistical finance, so kind of got into me into the analytics and joined the insurance company for whatever reason. I never thought in my life I would join the insurance company. So for my career, that was the first challenge, first hurdle, because I thought, I, I, frankly, that I, when I joined the insurance company, I barely know how to spell insurance. I really didn't know what insurance is all about. And so it was a huge learning curve. What I felt was, you know, just to, it's cross boundary, right? cross discipline. You learn one thing and now you get into another, completely unrelated. And but somehow it linked it together. It was six, seven years ago all of a sudden linked it together because my experience in the, in the space and in technology and sensors and understanding engineering and understanding insurance now clicked, linked it together. So I, I kind of, you know, one of the hurdles is how do you combine multidisciplinary expertise or knowledge and then make it useful for you, make it useful for you and then make, you know, really bring more value. And this is, the, this is number one. Two is, in the IoT, it's truly hard. 
IoT involves not only technology, it is hardware, middleware, backend, platform, data, product, coverage, distribution, marketing. You know? So it's, it, I can go on and on and on. And this is only the foundation. Technology is going to change all the time. I had, I've been in this space for seven years. How many technology iterations have we have been doing? This is seventh iteration of the technology business. I mean, hardware business. Just think about the changes we have to go through, have to endure. And that's entirely different pace. So, but it's extremely exciting. And I never regret a bit. And uh, I just felt that is a, it broadens your view. And instead of the narrow view, you now have a broader view. You link multiple disciplines, multiple, multiple industries, and really looking to bring the best and the most value and uh, to the constituents, to the stakeholders. So, but it's challenging. <laughs> Sounds exciting. So, so in that in that same uh, you know stream, what do you, what do you, what has been your proudest achievement, and what has been your biggest learning? Uh, in these last 18 years? So achievements, I, I don't know if I have achieved anything. <laughs> That's, I, you always look back and you say, you know what, hey, time flew by. Um, you know, uh, I'm just still Robin and, uh, you know, just doing some different things, but you constantly want to see if I have a way to add value and uh, to innovate yourself. So I guess, you know, for really big, to have to say biggest achievement is, uh, you know, uh, we, we did a couple of things that I felt proud. Of. One is actually we built a blackout risk model. And, uh, Big word, sorry? Blackout risk model. It's completely unrelated, you think of. Okay. So actually developed a tool to analyze hurricanes, winter storms, severe thunderstorm, human errors, operator errors, and the infrastructure fa failures, and uh, to analyzing frequency and the severity of the power outage across the United States and the North America. So that was that's a blackout model. I, I think I, I was very proud of it, proud of it, and uh, it was a good achievement. But then I think the, the second one I would say is IoT. IoT, because I'm still in it, I cannot say I achieved anything. And, uh, but uh, seven years, it's a long time, but it's a short time. A lot of sweat and tears you'll go into it. And uh, I would say, you know, just uh, I'm glad I'm part of that journey. I'm glad I really one of the early members, founding members for HSB's effort here. And uh, we just have a great CEO, great leadership team, and had a vision, never gave up. And uh, uh, it's just a great journey, great journey. Excellent, excellent. So in the, you know, I know you have long days of work. We were talking about that. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, it does get boring, but everybody has, some hobbies or some ways to take the mind off and refresh and charge the batteries. What do you do to charge your batteries? <laughs> Nowadays, play with kids. So my wife would drag me out early in the morning and we have our routine. Go for a run, drag the kids, whip the kids, and I push them to the, to the exercise, do push-ups and all that. So I do the bike ride. So that's a lot of fun with kids. Um, but I, you know, otherwise, I used to play a lot of basketball. And although my knee slowly, slowly giving up, but I still play. You know, just the biggest hobby I uh, mentioned to you. It's, uh, you know, really spending time with kids these days and uh, just see them grow, do exercise with them, bike ride with the family. And uh, you know, this keeps you going, especially during the pandemic. And uh, for the days before the pandemic, 
uh, I do a lot of uh, sports. I, I play basketball. I swim. I used to be a swimmer. So uh, it's uh, some of those things I continue to do as long as my body allows, and <laughs> I will continue to be active. And I think that keeps you going as well. And uh, that's you know that's pretty much uh, how all the times you have, and uh, besides nice. the long hours, yeah. Nice, awesome. Um, so, um, who uh, I mean, you, you know, we're now moving towards the almost the last segment. But I always ask my guests, uh, who do you like? You know, who are some other guests that you would like to hear from, so that we can, you know, try to get them on our show. Hmm. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, you know, I. I I think uh, from uh, from an insurance industry perspective, I think I would like to hear some of those uh, um, uh, lead leaders uh, that who scale, who make the business happen, makes a, you know, take actions, you know, those type of. Uh, um, it, I, <laughs> I have to give it a thought, you know. I frankly, I, I, uh, Pankaj, I didn't prepare for that. <laughs> you probably have to add it off, but uh, I, I think uh, it's a, uh, it's a. Uh, uh, I have to think about it. <laughs> no worries, no worries. All right, so Robin, let's say you mentioned that you started your life on a cargo ship, right? Mm -hmm. You did some studies and then you joined insurance. Mm. Let's say you have the benefit of all the knowledge and the experience that you've gained since you were that young boy, mm. but you now have an opportunity to go back in time and relive yeah. Your professional life all over again. Yeah. How would that look like? Yeah, that's a that's a deep question. You know, uh, life a certain parts of my life, professional life, I probably still want to go through, even including the cargo ship piece, because I think that is a trend in my character. Again, made me um, more resilient, and I'm able to conquer uh, difficulties and never think, never even give a second thought. Just think I can go through because it, it's just, it becomes your second nature. You're just gonna go through difficulties and never say no. So that part I probably will not give up. Um, but on the other hand, in terms of developing career, uh, you know, you always want to do bigger and better things. And, uh, you know, am I, uh, uh, do, do I regret I choose insurance uh, as a career? Um, at this point of time, I'll just say no. And uh, I chose a career, and uh, I liked it, and I enjoyed it. Enjoyed the role, um, but you know, it's a. If I have to do make a choice to say, you know, what really I want to do at that point of time, and uh, let's say 15 years ago, I may want to go into technology altogether. <laughs> if uh, if that's a, that's a, that's a choice, and I probably would really go into technology altogether. And because uh, seems to be in the technology, especially scalable technology. And you can make a big difference very quickly. And uh, so I think that probably would be my choice And if I look back. But uh, am I regretting? No, not at all. I enjoy the wrong. I continue to enjoy the wrong. And uh, it's just a great industry right now to me. Excellent, excellent. Well, in this uh, very last seg segment, what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring up two choices for you, Robin. Just pick one up and tell me why you chose that and why. I mean, why you chose that? Um, so let's start with, uh, oh, I know the answer to this one already, but sports versus reading. I choose sports. 
and why? Uh, sports gives when when you spend so much time at work, reading, analyzing, thinking, doing the things, you need to break the sweat. Nothing like a good sweat, and uh, a good sweat gets you recovered, get you re-energized, and you go at it again. And uh, uh, read, uh, reading is a luxury when you have good times, so when you're relaxing times, and then you kind of. <laughs> got it. Got it. Uh, vacation spots, mountains or beaches? Oh, uh, uh, so it changes. In the past, I would always love to be on the beaches because think of the a glass of margarita and uh, lying down and <laughs> on the beach. That's so relaxing. And uh, but over time, I you know I started to like hiking with the kids because main reason is the kids are older, so we actually can do those type of hiking that in the past would be deemed to be too dangerous or too challenging. So we now actually can do it together. So I would say um, I still love beach. I will never give up a beach. But uh, in this stage, I may choose uh, you know hiking a bit more uh, as a mix. Got it. And since you said you like to play basketball, I have to ask you, LeBron James or Michael Jordan, all-time favorite? Oh, Michael Jordan. Yeah, Michael Jordan. That's, uh, there's uh, no one, no one can compare with him. And uh, he, is, uh, he is my hero. Michael Jordan is my hero. And why? Um, no, he is just a super competitive guy. And uh, they're just super focused. And he he just he just shut his ears and from any other things that can potentially you know challenge him or annoy him and he just focused on the court do the best he can do and I love that I love that part of the character and I love that part of the sportsmanship and uh, and uh, you know frankly uh, you look at the, those days he grew up and uh, and he took on the punches when his father passed away. And I, I just felt that, you know, he's a guy that he's a tremendous family value and uh, looks into the things that you know, put, a, put the best effort forward. And uh, so that's why. <laughs> cool. Well, on that, uh, on that nice note, I think we've come to the end of the show. Are there any final words you want to share with our listeners? Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, listeners, uh, maybe uh, um, one, one point of advice is uh, you know, in the technology world, it's hard, especially insurance technology. And there's many roadblocks, many challenges. Don't give up. When you get started, that journey just means it's getting started. And if you give up half of the way, um, it, you will never see the light at the end of the tunnel. And it is hard. The only way to achieve that, to go through that, is uh, understand the challenge and then think creatively, think out of the box. And that there's always a solution if you think hard enough. Well, great. With those words of advice, we come to an end of this show. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of Verbal Ponderings, and we'll be back very soon. Thank you, Robin. Thank you. Thank you, Pankaj.